Welcome to Season 6 of the Marrow Masters Podcast Series, sponsored by the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, Insight Corporation, and Cadman. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and their families cope with the psychosocial challenges of transplant, from diagnosis through survivorship. This season focuses on advice for dealing with GVHD from both patients and healthcare professionals. Here's your host, Executive Director of the NBMT Link, Peggy Burkhardt. Welcome, everyone. This series focuses on all things GVHD. We're going to peel back some of the layers, talk to experts and patients alike about their struggles, victories, best tips, and so much more. So get ready to be inspired, educated, and updated on this tricky disease. GVHD might be a part of your life post-transplant, but we want you to be encouraged that most likely it is temporary. So we'll learn from healthcare professionals and survivors alike who want to share with you so that you can beat GVHD and thrive despite it. You'll appreciate their grit, honesty, and determination to live your best life with their guidance and experiences. So today we welcome Harry Johnston of South Carolina. Harry, today we'd like you to share your story, your diagnosis, and initial treatment details with our listeners, and then we're going to eventually get to discussing your GVHD. Well, Peggy, first of all, thanks for having me, and thanks to the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link. You folks do a great service to those of us who are undergoing cancer treatment and to the families as well. But just to put it in context a little bit, I'm a was a 69-year-old retired CPA with a wife and six children and leading the good life. I was really enjoying things. Things were going well. In June of 2016, I took a trip and went on safari to South Africa with some friends. And while I was down there, on the next to last day, I just started not feeling well. And I was concerned about a tick that I'd found on my arm a day or two earlier. And I was concerned that I'd picked up some type of bug from that tick. But anyway, we completed the trip and got back home a day or two later. And I immediately went in to see my internist. And he did lab work and whatnot. And the results came back that I had a quite elevated white blood count. And to make a long story short here, he had me admitted to MUSC, the Medical University of South Carolina, the next day, around June 19th, and I was diagnosed with AML. And we immediately began chemo and got me into remission. And I was in the hospital for about five or six weeks and then was discharged to go home. We weren't, at this point, Obviously concerned, but not overly concerned. We are people of deep faith and knew that we didn't have to let this diagnosis be the end for us. Well, that's great, Harry. Let's talk about what happened next and the process of looking for a stem cell donor. Well, after coming home from the hospital, I had to continue doing maintenance chemo during that period. And the team had pretty much decided that I was a candidate for a stem cell transplant. And they started the process of looking for a suitable donor. But none of my siblings or children were a good match. In early August, a female donor with an excellent match was identified in Sweden. I didn't know it at the time, but she had delayed getting pregnant so that she could go through the process of 
having her stem cells harvested. And she did go through with that. And I was admitted back into the hospital at MUSC in mid-September of 2016 and had the transplant on the 16th of September of that year, stayed in the hospital one night and then went home from there. Wow, that's a pretty incredible story. What a very unselfish woman. You hit the jackpot on donors, huh? (laughs) I did. I'll say, let's talk more about your post-transplant experience as it relates to your donor. Well, after going home, things went actually pretty well for a year or two. And then in June of 2018, my wife and I took a Baltic Sea cruise. This was a trip that we'd planned to do back two years earlier, but it had to put it on hold. But before leaving on this trip, I asked MUSC to see if the donor would exchange information with me. And while we were on this trip, actually while we were in St. Petersburg, I received an email on board ship with the donor's name, which was Elizabeth Lira, and her email address. So I immediately emailed Elizabeth and told her who I was and why I was emailing her and told her that my wife and I would be in Stockholm in four days. And I didn't have any idea where she lived in Sweden, but I told her that if it was at all possible, I'd like to get a chance to meet her. She emailed me back in about five minutes. Uh, <laughs> and said that our hotel was about 15 minutes from her home. She didn't live in Stockholm, but she lived in a suburb. And she invited us for lunch the day after arrival. So anyway, we got into port the next day, um, went and met Elizabeth and her husband and their two delightful children. And the youngest of those was one year old. But of course, he would be older, but for his delayed conception, due to accommodating my plight. But we had a delightful afternoon with Elizabeth and her family. And when we left, Elizabeth and her husband agreed to come have dinner with us uh, at our hotel the next night. So it was actually just an outstanding occurrence. And um, Elizabeth and I still stay in touch frequently. And in fact, we had tried to arrange bringing her and her family to the States. But we, of course, had to put that on hold when COVID came along. Wow, Harry. That is amazing. I love how the stars aligned and you got to meet Elizabeth and her family. So, Harry, let's talk about Elizabeth for a second. What do you know about her experience with becoming a donor? Well, of course, the first question that comes from friends and acquaintances is how in the world I wound up with a donor in Sweden. And, you know, of course, I had that question as well. But in talking to Elizabeth, she and her twin sister were playing around in Facebook at some point back in 2014, 2015, and ran across information on the National Mara Registry Program. And the two of them just decided to go down and get tested or have a blood sample drawn and enter into the registry. They just thought it would be a good thing to do. And they did that knowing that it was rare that somebody would actually get called. So that made it kind of special when they did call Elizabeth, that they had a match you know, for a man in the States. 
she really was excited to go through the process of um, being the donor. So um, her attitude and her kindness were extraordinarily beneficial to me. And you sure can tell she walked the walk and talked the talk because... She did indeed. She put her pregnancy off in order to fulfill a commitment she made, and that is extraordinary. It is. Well, I feel appreciative of Elizabeth, and I hope you will tell her that she <laughs> was she was she was discussed today, and we'll make sure that she gets the link okay. so she can hear how wonderful we all think she is. Okay. <laughs> now it's time to talk about your GVHD. This series focuses on GVHD. So, what happened, and where are you now in handling it? Well, in 2019, um, I started experiencing some GVHD, uh, and I'd had minor issues before, skin rashes or something, you know, that order. But this was more significant. The condition that I was dealing with had to do with thickening of the fascia, which is a layer of tissue below the skin. And it manifests itself through a thickening of this fascia. And what that does is it constricts my torso so that I'm not able to take in as much air as I normally do. So when I try to breathe deeply, the same amount of air doesn't come in as before. And what that does is it just limits me from doing exercises that require a lot of exertion. But in any event, we tried several things at MUSC, including ECP and various drugs, but weren't able to make any real headway with the GVHD that I was experiencing. So it was recommended that I participate in a trial drug study out at the Fred Hutch Cancer Center in Seattle, Washington. And my wife and I went out to Seattle in January of 2020. And we, of course, were required to be there for four or five weeks when I initially started on this drug. And as it turned out, we left Seattle either the end of February or the beginning of March. But COVID was just starting to rear its ugly head. And we unfortunately were in the epicenter of the start of this thing. So we got home and I continued to take that particular drug. But we were unable now to um, fly back and forth to Seattle just because of the COVID exposure. So the decision was made to switch to a different trial at Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. And we've done that and we still go out there about every other month or so for follow up. But the bottom line is that we've been unable to reverse the effects of the GVHD, but we've reduced the progression of it as we try different drugs and different things. But in my case, both Dr. Stephanie Lee out in Seattle and Dr. Carrie Kitko in Nashville have been wonderful to work with. And as I've continued my treatment, my follow-up at MUSC with the physicians and folks there have uh, been a good experience as well. Well, this is great, Harry. I'm so glad to hear that you were able to switch trials, like you said, with COVID rearing its ugly head. It sounds like you found a solution. So what is life like today? What are you up to? How's your GVHD? 
Let us know what's going on. Well, GVHD, in, in my case, came on and progressed so slowly that it's hard to judge it as to how much better or how much worse it is. But the best I can say is it doesn't seem to be, you know, for the last six months, it just doesn't seem to be progressing any. I still have my limitations, but we're pretty much able to do most of the things that we want to do. When I complain about things, people will immediately remind me that I'm closing in on 75 years of age. And some of the things that I'm experiencing just come with the territory and are not necessarily GVHD related. But in any event, we now, with COVID somewhat behind us, and one interesting fact is that I took the COVID vaccine back in February, and based on subsequent antibody tests, it does not appear that my body is reacting like you would want it to react to the vaccine. So basically, I'm unvaccinated. But in any event, with so many other people getting vaccinated and the pervasiveness of the virus is just not quite as great as it was, we are able to travel and do our normal things. And we just got back from a trip out to Montana and fishing for a week. And, you know, we do all the other things that we normally do. I mean, life goes on and we're enjoying life and we've been, you know, extraordinarily blessed. You know, as I mentioned, we've got six children. We got them all happily married and nine grandchildren and more coming. So it's a pretty good life. That's quite an accomplishment. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, very, very good. This is so inspiring. You know, we tell people all the time, Harry, that GVHD is what it is, but a lot of times it will burn out. And I think you're a great example of someone that has had issues but time is doing its job and you're living life to the fullest. And I am just so happy to hear that you're able to go fishing and enjoy your grandchildren. You know, transplantation works and AML is a tough disease. And it's so wonderful to see the life you're leading now post-transplant. Well, again, thanks for having me. Just thanks for all that you folks do at the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link. Oh, you are so welcome, Harry. It is people like you that make our jobs so easy and such a pleasure. And thank you for helping people to understand a little bit more today about GVHD and how it goes. These clinical trials are so important to take advantage of. And I hope that listeners are thinking about that. You know, you were able to switch gears and go with another one. And every experience in a trial helps future patients as well. So thank you. My pleasure. And feel free to check back with me in a year or two, and I'll give you an update. Oh, you got it. We will certainly be doing that. (laughs) Thank you very much. This has been the Marrow Masters Podcast. Feel free to share this episode via text, email, or social media. Don't miss an episode. Follow Marrow Masters in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to connect with the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, visit nbmtlink.org or click on the link in our show notes.